0: i've got a an ad that i read a few years ago and this is by a very famous man in america his real name is terry gene bolea his real his stage name is hulk hogan you know him don't you we all know hulk hogan very famous this is what he wrote about the coronavirus. Terry Gene Balea, also known as Hulk Hogan, posted a message to Facebook this week commenting on the coronavirus pandemic. Amid all the death and suffering caused by the crisis, Hogan saw one silver lining. In three short months, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship, Hogan said. <laughs> you wouldn't think this had come from a man like that. And here's Hogan's words God said, You want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I'll shut down the civic centers. You want to worship actors? I'll shut down the theaters. This is Hulk Hogan. You you want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market, Hogan wrote. Do you think his peers agree with him? No. Virtually everything Hogan mentioned has been shut down due to coronavirus. In order to halt the spread of epidemic, The White House has commanded that everyone avoid gatherings of 10 people or more. This came out some months ago. Hogan went on to further explain what good might come out of the ongoing crisis. Let me read what he said, okay? I'd like to write to him and say, I appreciate your words. That's what I've been preaching from the pulpit. Does America need a Christian revival? this amazing that this six foot five wrestler said these things maybe we don't need a vaccine maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in the world that really matters jesus can you believe he wrote that jesus he said this show of support for christian values is in stark contrast to how many other celebrities are reacting to the coronavirus pandemic back on march 18th gal gadot released an instant instagram video featuring a group of celebrities singing john lennon's imagine a stupid song an atheistic song The song praises secular values over traditional Judeo-Christian ones with several lines suggesting that religions such as Christianity are the source of many of the world's problems. Imagine there's no heaven. That's a part of the song. I wonder how John Lennon thinks about that now that he's in hell. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us, only sky, the song says imagine there's no countries it isn't hard to do nothing to kill or eat or die for and no religion too these words sung by Gadot and her celebrity friends stood in stark contrast to Hogan's call for Christian revival while his fellow celebrities may not feel the way one unlikely individual seems to agree with Hogan in the interview with national review published wednesday political scientist and agnostic charles murray explained how the next great awakening could save american values nothing's going to save american values evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse if you have a resurgence of what used to be known as a religious great awakening I didn't even believe in the Great Awakening. It had men in it that didn't really believe the truth. We've had three of them at least, maybe four. These had very good effects. Those could change the behavior of the population. I'm saying it will not. Murray said, although professional wrestling is a stage bank affair, the authenticity and genuine nature of Hulk Hogan's Facebook post cannot be understated. His fellow celebrities might want to take note. That's enough said on him. All right, let me get on with the message. Hold on one second. Isn't that fantastic that Hulk Hogan said that? I liked it that he said, what we need is Jesus. He used the word Jesus all right I'm talking about the end of time there are some signs of the end you might cause this call this second in the series let me erase this well I think I've already preached by some of these answers haven't I all right signs Of the end. I believe the end of time can't be far away. Signs of the End, Part Two. I'm going to talk about. There's several signs to the end of time. There is the end of the I could put that under here the end of the 70 weeks of Daniel and that will be the very last week of the 70 weeks it will be the 70th week 70th week and the Bible speaks of that last 70th week and you're Daniel 9 27 the 70 weeks of Daniel is Daniel 9 24 through 27 that is without a doubt the 70 weeks of Daniel is going to tell you about the end of time you're going to have the end of the 70 weeks. The 70 weeks of Daniel is truly, without a doubt, I've got two books here on the 70 weeks of Daniel. This one is written by Alpha McLean. Mr. McLean is a very good writer. It's, uh, it's called Daniel's 70 Weeks. By Alva, A-L-V-A, M-C-C-L-A-I-N. He says something in here that's really, really good at the beginning of his book. He says, probably no single utterance is more crucial in the fields of biblical interpretation, apologetics, and eschatology. Eschatology means the end of time. He said there's no more crucial information. And most preachers don't know anything about the 70 weeks of Daniel. I did one series on the 70 weeks, and it was 18 months on Sunday morning. I went through the book of Ezra. I went through God's promises to Israel if they would keep His commandments and be obedient. This is another book, Chronological Aspects of the Life of Christ, It's by Harold Honer, H O E H N E R. He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm sure he's dead now. And I know Alvin McLean is. Uh, This was written in, I believe it was 1940, even before Israel became a nation. These guys knew a lot about this. You're going to have the 70 weeks of Daniel. You're going to have the judgments of God. Judgments. And the 70 weeks was a time period. See if I can make this simple. It's not simple when you get into what I taught in that 18 months. I went through everything from God's promises to Israel. If they're obedient to him. And what he would do if they were not obedient? I went back to his promises over in Genesis and all the way through the Law. I went into the into the period of time of the kings, and that is what the seven weeks is about. Israel was over here. The Book of the Kings, that's what the Jews called First uh, Samuel. first Samuel through second chronicles you got first and second king first and second Samuel first and second kings first and second chronicles that's the time when Israel was a nation and God had told them before that they were under judges under judges and that starts with the book of judges before that they were in joshua joshua had to take moses place because joshua was the leader that stepped forward for moses moses was not allowed to enter into the promised land because he had gone against god's command when they were in the wilderness and the people were murmuring against god and moses and they didn't have any water and god told moses to speak to the rock in the wilderness and moses was so angry at the people he went over and struck the rock twice god said just for that you don't get to go into the land i got to thinking why would god do that to moses and he did a whole lot less to some people who murdered and killed people Moses was God's direct messenger. He talked to God face to face. So before Joshua, you were in the law. You were in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And that's where God would say, Deuteronomy leads them right. Deuteronomy joshua judges ruth first and second samuel you got ruth in here and then you got first and second samuel ruth is a part of the story i'm not going to go into that right now but you had genesis exodus Leviticus numbers deuteronomy they go into and in this it was in the book of numbers the 20th chapter when moses uh struck the rock you can see that and that's what God says just for that you don't get to go in the land God had already forbidden Aaron Moses' older brother and Miriam not to go in the land and he was he said that day he was killing them because they went against God's law so Joshua leads them into the land they go in to conquer all these cities what are they conquering they're conquering the Hittites the Perizzites the Amorites All these all these unbelievers had moved into the land. God gave the land to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob in that 17th chapter of Genesis. 17th chapter, it's given to Isaac before he's even born. And then Isaac has a son, Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. That's given to him in the 28th chapter. And then uh, Jacob's twelfth, eleventh son is Joseph. These are called the patriarchs. Here, Joseph, Joseph's second-born son, Ephraim, ends up getting the getting the inheritance of all Israel. It actually went to Joseph through his son Ephraim. And of course, when they get into when God tells them. When you go into the land, don't go after their gods. This land had been given to these men here. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. His 12 sons inherited the land. Well, he tells, when you go into this land, this was around 2100 B.C. that God gave the land to Abraham. And it's when you get, when they get into the land, it's around, over here, it's around 986 BC when Saul becomes the first king. Around 96. So this is considered a long time from when God gave the land to Abraham to when these pagans move into the land. But Joshua is supposed to come in and drive the pagans out. And they don't. They don't drive them out. They just marry them. God said, don't marry them, and they do. He said, if you marry them, you will come home, and your wife, the wife always stayed at home with the children. The husband will go out to the field to work. And your wives will stay at home, and teach your children pagan, Baal, and Grove worship, and that's exactly what happened. And they didn't drive them out. When you get into. When you get into the Book of Judges, God sets up all these judges, Othniel, who was the son of Caleb, and not the son; he was the nephew of Caleb. He was the first judge. O T H, N E I L when Joshua dies he's actually the first judge but the Bible speaks of Othniel being the actual first judge and it was Joshua and Caleb that would try to conquer the men of Anak and the rest of Israel wouldn't so God says I'm going to kill off all the males from 20 years old and upward because of their failure to go into Anak Anak was in that when they leave Egypt they cross uh, they cross the this they cross the Red Sea and they come down here to Sinai and the first place they stop is Kadesh Barnea and this is the Sinai Peninsula that's right below Israel and their first chance to go in here and take over the land this comes over here in Egypt is over here and they they the soldiers murmur against God and say we can't go in there and conquer them they're too big they're giants and they had forgotten that God had destroyed the largest army in the world at that time the pharaoh and his army were drowned in the red sea and the And this all connects up here. This is the Red Sea. So when they did that, God says everybody that's 20 years old and upward can't go in. Only Joshua and Caleb said, we'll go in and fight those people. And God would have seen to it that they'd have won. Anyway, because God says, do not marry these people. And they ignore God's, they'll tell you all about that in the first and second chapter of Judges. So they enter the land. As soon as they enter the land, they have a tendency to fall away to these other gods. All the time they were a nation, two particular chapters that are crucial above other chapters is when they, the first and second Samuel, they're not involved and these pagan gods what they're involved in is Saul and David Saul's the king he was appointed by God but he's of the wrong tribe he's of the tribe of Benjamin and God appointed him the wrong tribe because the people kept saying give us a king to rule over us and Samuel said you want a man to rule you? If you've got a man-king, all he's got is bows and arrows and spears and swords. and That's all he's got. God has lightning bolts and earthquakes. And you want people that's got spears and arrows? You must be out of your mind. They said, give us a king. God said, I'll give you one. Out of the tribe of Benjamin, it'll be the wrong tribe. The king has to come out of Judah, the fourth son of Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel in the 32nd chapter of Genesis when he's coming back from the land of Haran after he had cheated his brother out of his birthright and ran for his life. <laughs> Jacob was a scoundrel. Especially be before God changed his heart. All the time they were a nation, particularly in First Kings, Two chapters you need to really think about. First Kings, the 11th chapter, and First Kings, the 16th chapter. These are the two chapters where Israel brings in Baal and Grove, but it's two different men that bring it in. One's righteous. But he wasn't righteous when he's bringing bell and the grove in. that was Solomon in chapter eleven. Solomon was beloved of God. he's the one that built the temple and built the palace for the king. And if you look at him, you think, how can this good guy do this? Nehemiah the thirteenth chapter says, it was these evil women that turned his heart away. What do you mean evil women? Well, he had seven 700 wives. And he didn't pick out a bunch of ugly women. And 300 concubines. That's secondary wives. He had babies by all of these that he could get to. And he said in Ecclesiastes... He said, I got me men servants and made women. I got all these beautiful women that I can have anytime I want. And he said, I think everybody ought to read Ecclesiastes at least once a year because it tells you how vain life is. Solomon was the richest man that there was, he had all the world give him adoration and he, and he said I've got all these men singers and made women got all the sexual people I want and he said it's all vanity and vexation of the spirit vexation means to grab for the wind he said I was grabbing for the wind when I thought I could fulfill myself anyway so he brings all those women in and first Kings the eleventh chapter. Because he did that, he, he had, they he brought in their gods. They had the gods of Shemash and Molech and the Ashtaroth. Ashuroth was a generic term for all the female deities. He brought in gods from all over the world. One of his wives was the daughter of Pharaoh of Egypt. So he was bringing in her gods. The gods of Egypt were were the, you had so many, they had a thousand gods. Amen ra they had uh, the female deities, the male deities, and he brought them all in so God says what I'm going to do here's another picture of a sign of the end times he said what I'm going to do I'm going to split Israel into two nations and he tells Solomon what I'm going to do now when you look at this map over here It calls the kingdom of Israel under Saul, David, and Solomon, calls it a united kingdom. It was one nation. The divided kingdom is because Solomon went after let his wives do what they wanted to do, and they deceived Solomon. It turns into two kingdoms. This is northern Israel. It is led by Joseph through his second born son Ephraim. And this over here is the, is the righteous throne kingdom. Solomon's son was Rehoboam. His son was Abijah. His son was Asa. His son was Jehoshaphat. All the way through this kingdom, this is where the kingdom was divided into two because of Solomon's letting his wives go after these other gods. So when Solomon allowed this happen, God splits the kingdom gives the inheritance to northern Israel and the throne goes to southern Judah. Every one of these are legitimate kings except for Athaliah. Athaliah was the daughter out of hell itself. and That was one wicked woman. How did she get in that line? Well her father was Ahab. How's that for a father? And her mother was Jezebel. Well, Jehoshaphat starts running around with Ahab because Ahab comes down to Jehoshaphat when he's at war with Syria, with Ben-Hadad, the Syrian king. There were several Ben-Hadads. Ben-Hadad the first, Ben-Hadad the second, Ben-Hadad the third. Ben is the word son of. So it was the son of Ahab, a son of Hadad. So, Ahab goes down to Jehoshaphat and says, The king of Syria up here is attacking us. I'm a Jew, and you're a Jew. Can you come with me, brother? This man was hell on wheels. I mean, Ahab, he had murdered Naboth. He had murdered many others. And he had married this woman that came down. And she was killing people right and left. Jezebel. They had a daughter one night, maybe Ahab. Ahab lived right up on the corner. He lived right up at the top of Israel. Ahab. Ahab had a palace up here in Jezreel. Now Jerusalem is down here in southern Judah. And he's he's most of what he does is up here at Mount Carmel. He's just a mile or so from the border of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon. At Tyre and Sidon, they worship Baal, Grove. And somehow, one night at some party, somehow he got over the border, or one of them came down here. We don't know how it happened. And he sees this slick woman, hot woman, Jezebel. And somehow, he says, I want her. you got to stop and think. Ahab could have had all the women in Israel. She must have been really good looking. He said, I want her. So he married her, brings her down to southern, to northern Israel. And she brings her gods with her. She brings Baal and the grove. Whether grove was the tree goddess, that is the Christmas tree, whether anybody likes it or not. And Baal was the sun god. So she brings them in due to Ahab's wickedness. And somehow it moves down. Somehow when Ahab's And Jezebel get together and have a daughter. And somehow he's running around with Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat's son is Jehoram. And she sees Jehoram at some party some night. So she marries Jehoram. And when Jehoshaphat's dead, when Jehoram dies, and when her son Ahaziah dies, Athaliah goes out, and kills all the seed royal of Israel except one she missed one she missed Joash and the crown has to be th- passed through the mail so when Joash grows up they come out the men come out of the temple the high priest comes out anoints Joash as king And says, God save King Joash. And she says, oh God, am I in trouble? And she starts crying, treason! This woman that has murdered all these children of the king, it could have been, he could have had a dozen wives. And all of them that would inherit the throne, except Joash, Athaliah had them killed. Well, that's when God sends Jehu, the lone ranger, (laughs) to kill her. And He sends Jehu to kill Jezebel. Another story. Don't have time for that. We're talking about the end of time. The reason the end of time happens is because of everything that they did from 1 Kings to 2 Chronicles. You don't have anything in Samuel first and second samuel but saul trying to kill david because he thinks he stole his kingdom from him he didn't steal his kingdom saul wasn't doing the will of god in the everything from the 11th to the 15th chapter of first samuel he was just turning away from god's will saul was there wasn't a goodlier man in israel there in that ninth chapter of first samuel he was one of the best men walking It's just the greed that he had in his heart when he began to fail God. He was the tallest man in Israel. And when David, when uh, Samuel goes down to the house of Jesse, God says, Samuel, prophet, go down to Jesse's house in southern Judah. I've chosen a king among his sons. And the first man to walk out was Eliab. That That was Jesse's oldest son. And he said, look at him, he's taller than anybody. God's already had the tallest man in Israel. He he didn't do right. He don't need a tall man. And after seven sons had passed before Samuel, he said, it's not any of these. Don't you have another son? And Jesse, with a little disgust, probably said, well, there remains yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. Samuel said, I'll not leave until you get him. And David came walking in. God said, That's my king. Oh, not him. And he did. Well, let me get back over here. So the reason for the 70 weeks of Daniel, God said, if you turn back away from me, and when you read 1st and 2 Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, there's one other chapter. In First Kings the sixteenth chapter, that's where Ahab is the king of Israel, and that's he's the king of northern Israel. And what he does, this is what sets up Athaliah for what she does. Was when God, when Ahab marries Jezebel, he does that in the sixteenth chapter and that's when he builds he builds he builds temples for Baal and the Grove in northern Israel and that's since he builds temples for Baal and the Grove that's the sun god and the tree goddess and the grove that's when Somehow, when Ahab begins to try to court Josephat, that's when the two get together. That's when Athaliah comes about because she marries Jehoram, that king of southern Judah, after Josephat's dead. That's what you get in. That's how you get in trouble when you run around with the wrong people, because of all that they did. All these kings. There are only two three kings in Israel, all of their history that were considered completely righteous. Y'all remember who they were? David, Josiah, and his great grandfather Hezekiah, and that's it. All the rest of these guys have some wickedness around them. When you get down to Josiah, he was righteous, but his sons weren't. And most of these guys up here in the north were heathens of Israel. So God says, I've had my fill. So what he does, he says, what I'm going to do, I told you from the beginning, He said, if you go after other gods, I've told you this. That's why I preached on these messages in Deuteronomy 28, 28, and Leviticus, Deuteronomy 28, and Leviticus, the 26th chapter. He says, I'll send the sword... The famine, the pestilence, and the beast. The beast is Babylon. Coupled with Assyria, because that's the same land area. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. That's the beast. Rome was the beast, beast with iron teeth. When you see iron in the Bible connected with the the image of Nebuchadnezzar and it has legs of iron. When you see the beast with iron teeth that's in Daniel Daniel 2. When you see the beast with iron teeth in Daniel 7. When you see the 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 scorpions with breastplates of iron in Revelation nine that oh, it's always referring to Rome when you see these three beasts here overthrown by this beast with iron teeth she was the one that was more powerful than any other that was Rome Rome is still ruling right now. I mean, it's ruling through Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholicism has got a hold of America through Christmas, through accept Christ, through all of these holidays. They're all Roman Catholic. Now, let me get to you why the 70 weeks of Daniel are important. 70 weeks. It is the key, like Mr. Alvin McLean said, it's the key to all prophecy. Mr. McLean said, it the 70 weeks is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New. Seventy weeks is the bridge. Now let me let me go back to the let's get to the seventy weeks. Let's see where it's written down. Let's go back to Daniel nine. Daniel nine twenty four. Now they what has happened to Israel Daniel nine I'll do quite a while on that, Mike. how much time do I have left 54. Okay, maybe I can get some of this in here. I may try to cut it short. I can't read everything that I've got. I've got so much to read y'all up here. It's unbelievable. Daniel 9 24 now Daniel through this chapter has cried unto the Lord Lord how long because of the wickedness because of the wickedness of Israel well let's just say this is this is first Samuel through second chronicles 2nd Chronicles, God said over and over and over I will scatter you what he's going to use to scatter them is Babylon, Persia Greece and Rome when Babylon carries Israel away, Persia conquers Babylon in 539 B.C. They scatter southern Judah in 586 BC. And then Greece has these has Alexander the Great, and he's ruling the world for a period of time, about 12 years. And then when he dies, four generals take over. four generals: Cassander, Lysachemus, Ptolemy and Seleucius. they never did get the power that Alex the Great had so Rome subjugates these generals and they have to serve them the guy that gives them more trouble than anybody is Seleucius. he is the Syrian he ends up with as the head of Syria that's right above Israel right north east of Israel and they're just right there on the border, and they're always attacking Israel. So, but Rome subjugates them. Here's the whole point. God says, I'm going to give you 70 times 7, which is 490 years, to repent of the wickedness that you did all this time you were a nation where you went after Baal and the grove and Shemash and Molech and all the gods of Egypt and the gods of Syria Israel just went after everything that wasn't God what's amazing to me most people know about the about the about the bondage That was four hundred years in Egypt. But if you ask people, do you know about the captivity which has been which has gone on from five eighty six BC to when Israel became a nation, they've been captive by all the nations around them until May fourteenth nineteen and forty eight and even more significant than that would be the six day war six day war of nineteen sixty seven June fifth through June tenth that's when Israel came in and drove out the Babylonians, not the Babylonians, the Jordanians. They drove out the the Jordanians and took possession of Jerusalem for the first time since they were overrun by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. And that fulfills the prophecy of Luke 21, 24. Speaking of Israel, they, it's talking about Israel, they shall fall by the edge of the sword, it started here, and they'll be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall, Jerusalem, shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentile, it actually means rule over Jerusalem, is finished. That didn't happen until the Six-Day War of 1967. That's when they were declared a nation by the National Council at Tel Aviv, May 14th, 1948. May 15th, nineteen forty eight everything broke out against Israel. All of the Arab nations started attacking Israel the next day. And the the big problem, the reason the United States has been attacked by Israel. Israel has got the Arabs excuse me, the Arabs have got a law. Islam was started by Mohammed around 536 A.D. They have got a law in Islam. It says anyone that tries to stop the progress of Islam, they have something called al-fatah, A-L-F-A-T-A-H. They say anyone like the United States, when they were declared a nation, The reason, the main reason they were declared a nation, one of the top reasons was due to the fact that Adolf Hitler had killed six million Jews during what was World War II. Six million of them. Our president at that time was Harry Truman. Harry Truman is considered a hero in Israel. Because he issued an edict and told all the world, if you don't declare them a nation, I'll sanction every port in the world. A sanction is where they block ports and you won't be able to get anything in there. I remember when Ronald Reagan blocked this port right here, uh, when Gaddafi was the ruler of Libya. I remember when he blockaded that port. Truman said, I'll sanction every port that I could possibly sanction in the world. They declared Israel a nation. America, according to the Jews, Al-Fatah was where that you tried to stop the progress. So from the time that Israel was declared a nation, they, they were in a holy war. which they called a jihad against america they have been in jihad against america since may fourteenth nineteen forty eight when israel was declared a nation so that's why the world trade center came down those guys weren't crazy you think a man is completely out of his mind when he's willing to die for what he believes i understand the arab Thinking what they think, they believe because they were in control from 1500 to 1920, or let's say 1917, when World War II ended, and and most of the people in that land, about 90 percent, for those for those 400 years, 90 percent were of Arab descent and they were Muslims they believed in that 400 year period the land belonged to them even though our Bible says it belonged to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that's why they crashed the plane in the World Trade Center that's why they have threatened to attack us over and over again they say anyone who sides against us and sides with Israel is our enemy you're in jihad with us We've been in jihad since Israel was declared a nation. You want to know why they're attacking us? That's why. You have to either have to believe the Bible. They say that possession is nine points of the law. They say we owned it for 100 years. For 100 years it belongs to us. What's the answer? There's not one the Bible says Israel they'll fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive in all nations and Jerusalem will be torn down to the Gentiles until the Gentile rule of them is fulfilled and there'll be distress of nations with perplexity in the next verse perplexity, a means in a quandary a quandary means you're in a situation where there's no way out that's where we are right now. There's no way out of this situation over there. I've done several bunches of messages on why there's no way out. I did a series on the on the uh, nuclear suitcases. That's that's very frightening. Nuclear suitcases is about how the Arabs when Soviet Union went out and a lot of those a lot of those nuclear bombs were put into different hands in different places and they had them made in the form of a suitcase where somebody could walk in and set this down in a building and drive 500 miles away. Maybe put it in a, in a storage closet and drive 500 miles away and set that off with a phone call. And They found that some of those nuclear suitcases had ended up in Texas, some of them in Minnesota. And all they had to do was rearm them. And they're supposed to be there right now. We don't know fully about them. This, they're not going to stop attacking us. They believe they own that land. That's what it's about. People don't know why the... Why those Arab nations are attacking us because of this right here, because of harry truman Harry Truman, in the middle of all of this declared he pressured Amer- the world for years before they declared themselves a nation. There was constant wrestling match and fight going on between the arabs when when they when they were conquered and stopped when Hitler was stopped not Hitler, excuse me, Uh, when the Germans were stopped in 1917, when they were stopped, there was an issue, there was a a Balfour Declaration. Balfour Declaration was issued in, in 1920. A man named Balfour was the was the representative to Great Britain, or actually to Israel by Great Britain, since it was General Ally of the British forces that went in and took possession of Jerusalem at the end of World War One. Well, since it was Jerusalem, whoever conquered an area, they would assign that area to that particular group after a war is over. That's like the United States got... East Berlin, I mean West Berlin, and Western Germany. Russia got East Berlin and Eastern Germany, even though we were allies at the end of World War II. Just like North Korea was given to the communists after the Korean War, and South Korea was given to the allies, or to America and the rest of the allies to rule it. So when they... That's what happened with them here in this. And they issued this Balfour Declaration. It was so ambiguous, nobody knew what it meant. The Arabs thought it was in favor of them. The Jews thought it was in favor of them. There was a lot of fighting going on from 1920 until May 14th, 1948, one battle after another. I've got all kinds of books and papers on this. I'm not going to try to not go into it in a great detail. Let me show you. How much time do I have, Mike? 39. 39. Let me show you what happened to Israel. When the Bible says, let me erase this right here. In case I need it to write on. Let me show you. When the Bible says in Luke 21, 24, speaking to the Jews, you can turn to it if you want to. Look over here in Luke 21. I just want to show you this so you can understand. I've given you this paper, but I don't want to take some time on it. Luke 21, verse 24. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's read verse 20, down to 24. When you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation of Jerusalem is nigh. When were they compassed with armies? 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar comes in levels Jerusalem to the ground he just destroys the city we know that from Nehemiah the first chapter he destroys the city the temple and it's and they're being captive all this time until May 14th when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies they're compassed for at least 2600 years now let's finish reading this. then let them which are in Judea, that's the mountains around Jerusalem. let them which are in Judea flee, flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the middle of Jerusalem depart out, and let them that are in the countries don't come into Jerusalem. let them not enter there into. For these be the days of vengeance. They're the days of God's revenge upon Jerusalem. Days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, or them that give suck in those days. God says, I will not pity. If it's old man, young man, young woman, or baby. If you read the 13th chapter of Hosea, the very last two verses, God says, when I send the Assyrians in, they'll rip the women's bellies open who are pregnant. They'll take the babies out and dash their heads against the streets and the walls of Jerusalem. God says, I will not pity you. You had no pity for me. And my word, you ignored me. People say, God wouldn't do that. He said, I did that. So, there's a period of time, the Jews shall fall, by the. let's finish reading. Warned to them that are with child, and them that get suck in those days, there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people Israel. He's talking about a 2600 year period, from 586 to 1948, and even up to the Six-Day War. And I'm going to go through those wars. There were four wars that were historically, literally, it had to be God that favored the Jews because they were totally outnumbered. When they they declared themselves a nation, they had about 250,000 Jews and the next day 45 million Arab people from Jordan to the Arabs to Syria, Egypt declared war against these 250, 55, 56, They had no chance, but they won. That's why I believe God was in all these wars. Now. Let's read this this last verse. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword. They is talking about the Jews from the previous verses, isn't he? From the people in Judea. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. Who's going to lead them away captive? Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. In fact, you'll see that All through the Old Testament, I'll scatter you. I'll lead you captive. And you can see that in some of those verses. It's so obvious. If you remember in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, I'm just going to match it up and let you see it. And he says there in Deuteronomy 28, in verse 15, but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments and his statutes which I command you this day. All these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And you can find the sword, the famine, the pestilence in these verse following verses. Cursed shalt thou be in the city. Cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. You'll have famine cursed shall be the fruit of thy body your children will be stillborn they'll be born dead and the fruit of thy land will be famine and the increase of thy cattle the kine, and the flocks of thy sheep cursed shall thou be when you come in when you go out everything will be cursed what for for not obeying me? God said. How can a Mary obey God? How can a miracle obey God when all the preachers are lying? They're talking about tongues, which is not true. They're talking about faith healing, which is not true. They're talking about slain in the spirit and the spirit quickeneth, that's not true at all. They're talking about accept Christ when that's not true. They're talking about sinners prayer for salvation when the Bible says that isn't true. They're talking about Christ's Mass, which is the biggest holiday in the world. It's the biggest holiday in India and in those overseas countries. You'll be cursed when you go out and you come in. The Lord shall send upon thee. Cursing, vexation, rebuke. And down here in verse 22, The Lord shall smite thee with consumption there's going to be all kinds of disease, pestilence. There you go. Sword. The sword will be at war. When your enemies come against you, one way and you flee seven ways, that's the sword. The famine was here, we saw that. The pestilence is here. It's a disease. The Lord shall smite thee with consumption and with fever and with inflammation. Every disease you have has to do with inflammation. I know about that. I've got chronic bronchial asthma. That has to do with my bronchial tubes getting inflamed and swelling up in my lungs. They swell up. I had a heart attack. I had heart surgery. Your, your, your arteries swell up because there's too much, too much problem there in your in your arteries and with inflammation, with extreme burning and with the sword there's a the sword again there's we've got to the sword famine and pestilence I wanted to show you that the beast that carries them away is here and with mildew they shall pursue thee until thou perish I'll give you too much rain it'll kill your crops that's what Samuel told the people in the 12th chapter of 1st Samuel you don't like if you don't remember what you've done and don't obey God, God's gonna destroy you. The pestilence is right now it's in America and the world, it's the COVID nineteen. It's this this variant is just it's destructive. I don't believe this is gonna stop. This is God's pestilence. Polio in the early fifties was God's pestilence. Age was God's pestilence. God is getting fed up. He may even cause this to strengthen and be worse and worse. And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass. What he's saying, there'll be no rain just like Elijah told Ahab there in the seventeenth chapter of first Kings. And the earth that is under thee shall be iron. My grandfather had a farm out in West Texas, west of Fort Worth. When they'd have a when they'd have a lack of rain out there, those this is back in the late 40s when they didn't have paved roads everywhere. You would get out there, and those big old ruts would be 12 inches tall, and they'd be hard as a iron. You couldn't grow anything at all out there. That's what this is talking about. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. That's all you'll get, Israel. America, from heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. And then he's talking about the enemies and the beast in the next verse. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them... And flee seven ways before them. And shall be removed. Here's the beast. Then you'll be removed. Unto all the kingdoms of the earth. You got the sword. The famine. The pestilence of the beast. And these curses right here. Now let's go back to Luke. 24. They, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentile rule over Israel is fulfilled. We know that the Gentiles quit ruling Jerusalem in the Six-Day War. We know they became a nation 1948. Let me tell you about the sword that ruled them. I got it on a paper here. I took it out of one of my history books of the Jews. Let me give it to you. It's not magic. I just read a lot of stuff. I read. I can't put it up here exactly right. In 70 A.D., How many times have I spoke about that? A day destruction after one hundred and forty three days before the siege was concluded, six hundred thousand and some say a million one hundred thousand Jews were slain, with thousands more to be led into captivity. There was no no history for 60 years after its destruction that's when the Roman general came in Roman general Titus his father was the Caesar of of Rome Titus came in leveled the city and The last, the last stand, was on a mountain right over by the sea, by the Dead Sea. And this is Jordan River. That Sea of Galilee, Jordan River feeds into the Dead Sea. There's a place over here called Masad. It's a mountain had sheer cliffs come up the mountain. People came over and tried to stay on the top of that mountain and tried to hide from the Roman Empire. And of course, nobody had rappelling hooks. They didn't have any helicopters. So the Jews did a pretty good stand. When some of them would get tired, they'd jump off, just like you saw people jumping out of those buildings when those planes crashed into them in New York. Some of them would say, oh, I better to die then to be handed over to the hands of the Romans. They'll torture us. So, one last futile attempt, tra- and tragic attempt, of the Jews to win freedom from the Romans. The Romans were always the only people that were back into Israel due to the 70 weeks of Daniel. The only people back were southern Judah. Northern Israel was called the Ten Lost Tribes. That was led by Ephraim. If you remember me telling you that a while ago. Southern Israel was the only ones that came back. That was the tribe of Judah, out of which came the king, and Benjamin. So you can't say Israel was back In Jesus' day. Without the owner Ephraim there. And Ephraim had the inheritance of Israel. And the reason he had it. Because his father Joseph. You can find that inheritance. Passed to Ephraim in Genesis. The 48th chapter. Where Jacob puts his right hand upon Ephraim. And his left hand upon Manasseh. And Joseph jumped back and said, Not so, my father, for Manasseh is my firstborn. And Jacob, though his eyes were dim for age, said, I know that, my son. I like that. It nearly makes me cry. Now, one last futile attempt by the Jews to win freedom from the Romans. They were constantly... The apostles come to Jesus and said, Are you going to restore the kingdom? What was ruling everybody in the world was Rome. At the days of Jesus, they would allow people to rule their country. But if you crossed the Roman rules, they would attack you and slaughter you. You had to do what Rome said. So during the days of Jesus, when they would ask Jesus, the apostles would ask him, are you going to restore the kingdom? They meant. Are you going to bring northern Israel back so we can be one nation again? That's why Jesus said to them in Luke the twentieth chapter, verse seventeen, eighteen. The kingdom of God is in you. You don't have to restore it. It's this new birth that's in us. Now let's continue reading here a rebellion in A.D. 134 by a false Messiah called Jesus Bar Kokhba. He got all these people to was overwhelmingly crushed. They were all killed when they tried to rise up. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. They're trying to regain the kingdom falsely. Overwhelmingly crushed, what was left of the city was leveled and the foundations were plowed up. Boy, if you went into Israel in 134 A.D., it looked like a wasteland. It would have been very sorrowful to see. Two years later, the Romans began building, rebuilding the city and they renamed it. Aelia, A-E-L-I-A, Capitolina. They renamed Jerusalem that. All Jews were excluded for two centuries until the reign of Constantine. You were not allowed to go into into Jerusalem until Constantine the Great reigned. He started reigning around three twelve A.D. He had the First Nicene Council three twenty five A.D. That's when Catholicism and a apostate church in Rome. Entered in and he changed the name of the Feast of Saturn or Saturnalia, the Christ Mass. Why do you think God is angry? Then, in that very system that Israel went after while they were a nation, Bell in the Grove, it is the exact same system that Constantine brought in the church in 325 and renamed the Christ Mass. It wasn't Constantine who named it Christmas. It was Pope Julius the first that gave Christ's mass its pagan name. Whether people like that or not, that's the truth. Now, let me keep reading. Tragedy awaited in the wings of history for this Jerusalem, city of peace. Tragedy. But didn't the Bible say they'll fall by the edge of the sword and they'll be led away captive until the Gentile rule is done? That's what it says. So they first, in 6.14, let me see if I can erase some of this, so I can put some of this up here. this is about the end of time in 614 the Persian general under King Carossus II seized the city and slaughtered 60,000 Christians and taking 35,000 more into slavery then 14 years later in A.D. this is A.D. In 628, 14 years. In 628, Heraclius, H E R A C L I U S, made peace with the son of the invader Kerosis, entering Jerusalem in triumph. This was in 628. Nine, nine then nine years. We're talking about Jerusalem falling by the edge of the sword and being led away captive, and being trampled underfoot. And then AD six thirty seven six thirty seven. Just fifty then fifty one years passes. AD, these are all AD I won't put AD there, they're all AD then 51 years and then in AD 688 688 now this is a very important date 688 51 years later the dome of the rock was erected and it was erected on the temple site it was erected by mohammed acquainted with the old testament and the new testament felt it necessary to be identified with the city now it was holy to the jews the christians and islam boy that would take me into something to teach on it maybe if i could say it real quick when the sacrifice and the oblation is ceased it cannot mean the old sacrifice Old Testament sacrifice that was offered on this altar here and they had the sea here the veil, Ark of the Covenant table of showbread, altar of incense and the candlesticks It couldn't be a sacrifice ceasing here because all of that was nailed to the cross and blotted out. What's going to be the temple at the end of time? What's going to be the sacrifice at the end of time? We are spiritual Israel, spiritual Jews, and the sacrifice will be our bodies. A living sacrifice, Romans 12 and 1. You had to be a priest to offer sacrifice. I beseech you, said, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He's made us priests and kings. Then Revelation, the first chapter. So it's not a literal sacrifice in a literal temple. Jesus, in the 10th chapter of Hebrews, is the one sacrifice offered once for all. That's it. And they besides that how are they going to drive the islamic people off this temple or the off this temple mount where this dome of the rock is built they're not and that would cause World war war 3 dome of the rock was erected that was 688 Mohammed acquainted with the Old Testament and the New Testament felt it necessary to be identified with this city. Now it was holy to the Jews, Christians and Islam. The cause of the overthrow. Then in 969 we're talking about the Jews falling by the edge of the sword and being laid away captive in all nations. They're oppressed through all of this. 969 Jerusalem fell under the power of Shah Khalif of Egypt. They're still being ruled by the sword. And then that's 40 years have passed then. 40. 40 years. They're under the rule of these people. 200, 280 years. And the Temple Mount. Was being controlled by Islam. I may just let me go down here, finish it down here. And then in 1009, that's when Caliph Hakim, 54 years from up here, Caliph Hakim son of a Christian began his devastating work in Jerusalem. Didn't sound like a real good Christian, did he? And then in ten fourteen five two 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 ten two ten two ten. two 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 ten. Two ten. Two ten. 30,000 churches in Palestine had been pillaged and burnt. I'm going to do this faster. I'm going to run out of time. And then in 1016, this is in 10, this is 1014. And then in 1016, two years passed. 10.16. In 10.16, persecution stopped when Hakim became convinced that he was divine. And then in 10.77, 61 years. 10.77, the Seljuk Turks drove out the Egyptians, slaughtering 3,000 residing within the walls. Then they come into a new era. This was in 1077. This was the Seljuk Turks. Then in 1099, in 1099, the Christian army of the first crusades encamped before the city. And you see how these people are going to fight the crusades through the old movies through the robin hood movies and the king had gone off to fight the crusades and and that happens in all the old movies the christian army of the first crusades in 1099 encamped before the city of jerusalem the city was seized on july 14th a slaughter pursued by the so-called christian knights for 80 years the city knew no other enemy at her gates and then in 188 something happened 1088 Saladin you've heard of him all through the movies he's the most prominent of all these caliphs caliph was a priest and a warrior In 1187, this was, no, this is 11, this is 1187, 1187 A.D. Saladin the Great, A.D., 1187, September the 20th, he encamped, he entered on October the 2nd, enforcing strict orders no force of violence or orgy of conquest would be engaged by his soldiers such as the Christian invaders had engaged in a hundred years before how's that this guy is a pagan he's doing more Christianity than the Christian Crusaders This act of mercy put the Christians to shame. In 1229, regained by Frederick II, in 1244, they fell to to the Charisman Tartars. I'll wind this up in just a minute. And then in 1247 they were seized by the Egyptians. 1247. I'll give everybody a copy of this that wants it. And then in 1260 they were captured by the Tartars. 1260. And then in 1517 this is very significant the Ottoman Turks held the city for four hundred years, four centuries four hundred years until 1917, December the ninth 1917 and that's when that's when, on October the thirty first, nineteen eighteen, an armistice was signed. Four hundred years of Turkish misrule came to an end. The Jews have fallen by the edge of the sword and been led captive, and terror has marched through their streets for twenty six hundred years. The fact that they that this is going to come to an end is one of the main. Signs of the end of time let me read the rest of it after more than seven centuries Jerusalem came under the rule of Christian conquerors April 24th 1920 a mandate for Palestine was assigned to Great Britain because their soldier marched in and took the city General Allenby he said he was unworthy to walk into Jerusalem and take the city at war so he got off his horse and walked in April 24 1920 a mandate for Palestine it was called Palestine until May 14 1948 when I was a little boy in elementary school 1946, 47. We'd open our, our history books. It would say Palestine. And then when they got to redo the books, 48 or 49, the teachers say, we call that Israel now. That was in my lifetime. She suffered one reverse after another in an attempt to rule this country. It's like max i demont he was a he's got a book called The Jews God in History he said they're like the the tribe of the Anu a n i u I believe it is, and there's some he said they were wiped out a long time ago. Israel should have been wiped out. they couldn't possibly stand during World War II, the final slaughter of six million Jews called the Holocaust, the last sword to cut Israel down, was an Assyrian Caucasian named Adolf Hitler. May 14, 1948, the British mandate terminated and the National Council of Tel Aviv proclaimed the state of Israel with Harry Truman pressuring the world. With 100,000 Jews in Israel, they were They were a nation for the first time from 586 and 722 B.C. till May 14, 1948, and not to make any less of the Six-Day War of 1967. That's when they threw the Arab people out of Jerusalem. The Six-Day War of 1967 gave them their city back. The times of the Gentiles have come to an end of slaughtering the Jews. Amos 9.14 says. This is Amos 9.14. God says, when I scatter them, and once I bring them back, I'll never scatter them again. Boy, the Arabs need to read that verse, don't they? The Jewish nation is back to begin their final 70th week. That will end all sin and bring everlasting righteousness jesus the jews fell by the edge of the sword it was fulfilled luke twenty-one, twenty-four. may 14 1948 and in that six-day war of 67 i'll go through that next week i'll go through the 70 weeks the 70 weeks is a time period while all this is going on, the seventy weeks is right here. It says they'll they'll go under this sword of all the people. They'll they'll until they repent. They had never repented of their old testament worship of Baal and the grove and all the rest of these gods they were serving. They never repented, and they hadn't repented. I believe there will be a remnant in Israel that will believe God. How can these wars the sixties the war of independence nineteen forty eight the next day when they were totally overwhelmed the 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 Sinai war of nineteen fifty seven they were outnumbered they couldn't win that six day war of sixty seven couldn't win that that yom kippur war of 1973 they had no chance i'm going to go through those wars next week i'm going to try to go through the 70 weeks of daniel the 70 weeks has to do with all this time right here until it's then it's actually the 69 weeks here 69 weeks and then the 70th week it's the last seven years of time that most people know as the Great Tribulation. I believe we're headed right into that right now. I don't know when it's going to start. I believe our government, is crazy as it is, I don't believe in, in Biden or Trump. Like somebody said to me yesterday, he said, Biden is a crook and Trump is a clown. He said, I'd rather have the clown than the crook. I don't know that they're both not crooks. I don't see how you can make two and a half billion dollars without cheating somebody. I don't see how you do that. And that's what Donald Trump is worth. He was pretty when, when he did his first uh, run for presidency. He was using the F word and the MF word. I thought, who would vote for that? And they did. They voted him in. He cusses and what really got me, he got these bunch of these crooks from T B N to gather around him. He evidently didn't know what they believed, because most people know that the TBN people are crazy believing in God wants everybody rich and God wants everybody well. That's that's crazy. Am I out of time, Mike? Yeah. Huh? Well, let me pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Lord, I pray that this message will frighten some of your people, frighten them into obedience. I'm going to continue preaching, Lord, if you'll give me the strength. Give me the strength to say the things that will frighten these folks. Thank you for truth. Fight our battles. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't feel like fighting. You fight for me. You fight for the people here. Give them strength to get through what they're going to have to go through. I give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. I'm kind of tired after that message and reading all those emails. If you all think it won't make you tired, try it. I know that's taking a lot of time to read all those dates, but it's sobering to read them. Sometimes I don't know exactly where to start on this. I've got a million things in my head. I don't know exactly how to say them. It took me a long time to learn a lot of this stuff, so I hope y'all will put up with me saying it. Don't say, I've heard that before. Well, can you repeat it? <laughs> right. Hey Jim, have you heard anything from Victor? No, not a word. Mary don't want you coming close to me. No she don't know who can carry that virus and who can't. I hadn't heard a word. I just no, I don't know what's happened to him. They—he said they won't keep him in there until he, uh, until they could put him in a mental institution. Well, I hope get some Here's something that's got some sticky on it where I took one of them labels off. Might have to wipe that off. Thank you a lot. See you later. Okay. Take care, Rusty. I love you. I love you, too. Love you, Rusty. See you. Uh, Can you repeat all that I said? No, I'm so it's in pieces, Well, I'll keep repeating some of it because you can't teach the whole story... I'll have to repeat some of it, because all of it is one, it's like one, one tech, one, what do you call it, chemical blended together. It's like one tapestry. Well, there's so much of it. There's so much, and I've spent a life in that. So I mean, it is. in the 70 weeks, right? Huh? Yeah, we're in the 70 weeks, we're still... The umbrella of well, I don't know that when the 70th week, there's a separation between the 60, the end of the 69th and the beginning of the 70 weeks, and that's at least a 2,000 year period. But well, we're in there somewhere. Yeah. I believe we're real close. I believe we're real close to the beginning of the 70th week. I just don't see how, with all the lies Going on in the world, people wasn't talking about the government lying in 1955 when I was in high school. In 1955, <laughs> the meanest guy in school was Fonzie. was the guy that smoked cigarettes and rode a motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't shoot kids in school then. No, but so much has been happening. so really fast. Yeah. We're living in insanity.